Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I welcome my dear friend, Lenida, who taught me so much about transmuting energy. And recently, used her own practice to enjoy the experience of almost dying. Yeah, that's one of my most basic uh, notions is that you use everything. Any kind of uh, painful experience, embarrassing experience, uh, anything that happens, you use it. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now.
Lenida is a very important special friend in my life. I've known her for almost 10 years now. And I met her because she was our landlord when we first moved up to Woodstock. My wife and I were living in a small railroad apartment in Greenpoint, right on Manhattan Avenue. And I remember scrolling through Craigslist, looking for places to live because we just felt like it was time to leave the city. And we had this whim to move to the West Coast, to Nevada City. Neither of us had been there, but everything we knew about it and the people we met from there, it just felt exciting and right. So we were spending all the money we had in savings to move our stuff to the West Coast and to find a home. And then one day we went to Woodstock just to visit. And while we were in Woodstock, we felt so alive. We felt like, oh my gosh, we we came home, we've landed. And we knew that that's where we were maybe supposed to be next. So I went back to, to Brooklyn and I'm scrolling on Craigslist looking for apartments. And I find uh, this incredible listing that says um, three bedroom duplex with a waterfall for $1,000, $1,100 a month. At the time, our rent in the city was $2,000 a month and split three ways. We could barely you know, afford to live. We were making like $9,000 a year, I think, at a health food store. And so... I remember calling right away and this woman answered with this pleasant voice and all these birds in the background chirping. And we had this incredible conversation and we both felt like, oh, we're already friends and we don't know it. Uh, Let's come up and see the house. So we got in our car and we drove up to Woodstock and our car actually, actually, now that I think about it, our car broke down. We didn't get in our car. We got on a bus and we took our bus to Woodstock and Lenida met us at the bus stop. She picked us up with her little white poodle, which I believe sat in my lap on the way. And she drove us through the mountains to West Saugerties to this very magical place called the Black Clove. And her house is nestled right in it. The oldest house on the street. The house used to be a grocery store on one one end and it was an inn on the other and the side that we were renting or possibly renting was the old grocery store now my wife and i met in a grocery store so it was very beautiful and funny and 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 sacred in many ways and we spent hours just having tea watching the waterfall looking at the land petting her dogs and just having this incredibly deep relation with this woman we had never met until then so we knew it was our place to go. So we moved. We moved into the place, I think, like a couple of weeks later. And the magic just began to unfold from there. And Lenida taught us, you know, a beautiful transmutation. I call it transmutation, but a kind of meditation that she calls spiritual integration therapy, the acronym SIT, where you're essentially building your capacity to use and receive all the energy around you, the foul odor, the loud noise, the pleasant smell of the breeze, the hard chair, the pain in your foot, everything gets to belong. And I found this extremely attractive because I was already unconsciously transmuting 
And I was more interested in doing it on a conscious level, using energy, using it to fuel me, to awaken me, to excite me, to uh, break me open. And I remember sitting in her, her room, meditation room, and just loud noises happening and, and things erupting and just um, inconvenient situations. And unlike any meditation teacher I'd worked with before, she didn't lose her composure. She took a breath and she said, use it. And I remember thinking that's power right there. That is very special. And I've used that teaching and that practice since then more consciously and in my practice. Because when I'm working with someone who's traumatized, I'm working with someone that has a ton of residual life force in their nervous systems from a traumatic event. And that life force gets called trauma and anxiety and depression and BPD and all these different titles when really it's just life force that doesn't know how to be used. So when I work with people, I say, use it, right? Let's use that life force. What does that life force want to do? What does it want to say? How does it want to move? What does it want to eat? What does it want to wear? And through honoring that life force, which we would negatively think of as trauma, we start to see, oh my gosh, this is a living being moving through me. There is some other intelligence in my body that tried to protect me from an event that never quite left. And when I honor it and express it and bow to it, it gets to do what it wants to do and it eventually leaves. It integrates, I would even say better than leaving. It becomes me, it nourishes me versus opposing me. So I had to have Lenita on because uh, she used a room in her house when I first started practicing to see clients. And I remember it was two purple wicker chairs with a little purple wicker end table, a ton of beautiful dusty antiques and two lights. And that was my setup. And somehow I had a wait list and people would come in and they would do this beautiful work that I do now that I didn't really know what to call or what I was even doing at the time. But I wouldn't be where I am now without the support of her and her home. She really paved the way for me to offer what I offer now. So having her on here is a very big honor and uh, a full circle um, expression of reciprocity so I can share her with all of you. I'm taking a quick break from the episode to remind you that my next six-week course begins on Sunday, October 10th. This is a live teaching course. I meet with you every Sunday and Wednesday in a group space on Zoom, and I teach you different principles of learning how to relate to your body so that you can release stress and trauma through listening to your body. Every session is recorded, and all the teaching sessions are yours to download and keep for life. You'll also walk away with a nice handful of audio exercises that will walk you through each step long after the course has ended. For information, visit my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and register for the intro webinar. It takes place on Sunday, September 12th at 10 a.m. Eastern, and I'll answer all your questions there. 
A replay will be sent out to all of you who cannot make it live. But do know, registration goes live on Sunday, September 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern, right when the intro webinar closes. So if you're interested in taking this course, put that in your calendar, Sunday, September 12th, 11 a.m. Eastern. This course tends to sell out pretty quickly. I look forward to seeing you all there. Now let's go back to the episode. So I want to welcome Lenida Darbase to the show. Welcome, Lenida. Thank you. Good to be here. Lenida and I are friends for a while now. She's the reason why uh, we live in Woodstock. And she was our meditation teacher and our landlord and our neighbor and um, quickly became a family member. So, you know, I, I wanted to share you because you have so much wisdom and so much experience in the practice you do. And recently, you know, you had an intense event that was supported and held through your practice. So I thought it would be nice to first talk about your practice. Like, tell us what it even means to you, what you call it, how you discovered it, you know, how'd that begin? Well, that's a, that's a whole lifetime story. Um, I mean, it began really early in my childhood where I had uh, experiences of uh, phenomena like being out of time um, and uh, a number of things that in my childhood. And then um, the the real um, intense practice started in my 30s. Um, when I had this period of really super intense pain and, uh, and I was, uh, interestingly enough, raising monarch butterflies in my house. Um, and then it was just like I fell off a cliff and, uh, reality, everything that I thought was reality disappeared. And uh, it was totally starting over. And um, there was about a 15-year period where I felt like I was moving at the speed of light and that I was being taught and processed. And um, many things happened uh, during that period and a lot of really intense uh, phenomena. And I... uh, I just learned. Uh, I didn't really feel like I had much of a choice about it. Um, so uh, I, in that period, I became very sensitive to, to my own energy and uh, all different levels of energy around me. And, um, and that's how my work began to evolve because I wanted to, uh, if possible, share that with others. And um, I uh, did a lot of um, body work for years, but it was mostly actually energy work. And um, got a master's in psychology at uh, Goddard where you can set up your own coursework 
So my courses were all um, spiritually based. And then the idea of spiritual integration came out of that. So then I started thinking about how to, what is spiritual integration? And that's the process of life is how we're trying to always integrate this kind of human experience with our uh, spiritual evolution. And how you balance that is tricky and uh, just involves um, constant attention, I think. And the meditation practice I do um, increases my sensitivity to my own energy and um, the energy around me. It's, um, and so that's been a, a constant um, evolution for me, for which I'm very grateful. And, um, and that uh, part of the learning process of that was uh, to learn how to use that. So you can uh, use it for everything. You can use it to heal emotional things. You can uh, use it to get closer to whatever God is. Uh, you can use it in your relationships and your creativity. Uh, so it's it's using learning how to use energy. Really, is what my practice is about. Yeah, when you and, say that, I, I'm being reminded um, the first time I meditated with you, um, we were in the little middle room, which then became my office, and we were sitting in there. It was just me, you, and Amen, and I remember we were going to this really deep place. Like I, I felt like I was dropping in and expanding all the once. And then suddenly, I don't know if a car or a dog walked by, something happened. And you had you know, two very big dogs at the time that started barking and running and their nails were all over the floor. You could just hear this huge, you know, chaotic sound. And I remember you said, use it. <laughs> and it was this like mind-blowing moment for me that um it actually took me back to when I was 17 and I read Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh where he's sitting on this rooftop in a city and every dissonant noise he's using in his mind like an orchestra yeah right and so when you said use it that was the moment that I first actually experienced transmutation of this thing that my ego, my body want to resist is actually something that can be pleasurable and, and full of life force. Can you just tell us about that? Because I thought it was really profound. Well, yeah, that's one of my most basic uh, notions is that you use everything. Any kind of uh, painful experience, embarrassing experience, uh, Anything that happens, you use it. And I think that's what happened uh, in, in the hospital when I was, you know, supposedly nearly dying. Uh, uh, that's what I was doing. So that, that keeps you, you know, occupied in a positive way. <laughs> if you're 
if you have it kind of built in that you're mm. going to, whatever happens, you're going to use it. And it's all on that, on that level where meditation is on that level, everything is energy. Mm. So sound, um, whatever's happening. And then there's your psychology, which kind of goes in and out when you're in that state. Uh, you you also use it psychologically, like, oh, how did that impact me? Um, where did it impact me in my body, in my experience, and why? Uh, so uh, it's just, it, it's unlimited, really, how once you start doing that, how what you can do with it. That was the word I was just hearing that it's kind of like, um, it's like an endless form of inquiry, just using everything around you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's why I was so drawn to your, your work. Um, Cause we were already friends. So I was already drawn to you, but then I was more drawn to the work, not more drawn, but then I was drawn to the work because I, I've done a couple, you know, meditation experiences. I've, I've never been a meditator. I'm more of a contemplator, but when, when I sat with you and that happened and you said, use it, I love that because there were many times where I've been in experiences with people uh, before, I don't know, an event or something where everyone's meditating and a noise happens and everyone gets disturbed. And I'm always thinking, what's the point of meditating if everything disturbs us? <laughs> <laughs> but your form of meditation was really like expand into the limitlessness. Nothing has to disturb you. It's all useful. Right. And you can get to a place where that's the way you are all the time. Yes. At yes. Least, uh, and, and I think the whole process of meditation, I think, is it's, it's increasing awareness. And I think really um, evolved people are constantly there. They're constantly in that uh, awareness of uh, whatever that huge intelligence is that's guiding everything and is present in everything. Uh, there's an awareness of that at the same time, you know, you're able to um, take your dog for a walk or wash the dishes or whatever. Uh, and that's, I think, the intention of spirituality is to, and that's integration. That's that's the total integration. Then, I'm I'm really glad you said that that last piece. You know, um, you're in relation and in awareness to the enormous intelligence, and you're able to do the dishes and exactly. walk yeah. it, like the mundanity quote. Because uh, I feel like when you're in that awareness of the intelligence everything is an adventure like washing the dishes is incredible sensational experience it's almost psychedelic you know when you really drop into it yeah right yeah yeah i remember the first time i saw when i was in the in the intensity of that process um the, the first time i i looked at at rocks out in nature and i i was all i was almost overwhelmed because the, they were uh vivid vivid colors and all kinds of energy in this rock you know that most people think of as a very dead heavy thing 
And um, I, I guess that's what psychedelics do for people sometimes. But um, if you're meditating, you don't need the psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> I always say if you're really embodied or if you practice embodiment or, you know, meditation and embodiment, uh, yeah, drugs are just, they're, I'm not, I don't judge drugs, but they're obsolete because I'm already in this high all the time, like a grounded right. high, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm, they also can be numbing too. I mean, compared to what happens when you're having the experience you're talking about, they're actually kind of a downer. <laughs> I agree. Okay. I agree because I've smoked pot, I think, four times in my entire life. And everyone's always shocked by that because they see my appearance. And they just assume that I smoke pot all day long. <laughs> but And I, I don't get down on it. Some of the people I love the most smoke pot every day. Uh, but exactly what you just said, when I smoke pot, I feel like I'm looking through a foggy lens. Exactly. Right? And my lens yeah. is so clear. I love my clarity. So, yeah. I, I, you know, there's nothing in between me and God. That's, that's the exact same experience I had when I smoked pot. Mm. And... Um, so, and I remember, uh, people giving me acid and I told them it was like, uh, it was really slow compared to my normal <laughs> state. <laughs> uh, and, and kind of like too, um, focused. Totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's narrow in a way. Narrow. That's yeah. a better point. Yeah, I love that you say that because I always, I always find, um, and I don't have a lot of personal experience. I have no personal experience in psychedelics. All my experience is empathic through sitting with people, you know, who've done it and listening to their experiences, uh, and sharing them with them my experience, like of being embodied or making music or sitting with rocks, and we report a similar experience. Mm -hmm. So I've I've come to find that psychedelics and mushrooms and and pod, all these things these uh, substances, these beings, they, they relate to that part of our mind and take us there, but they're not the reason we're there. They just relate to that part of our mind that's already able to go there, right? Yeah. And so this practice you've been doing is like exercises that part of you. Yeah, and I think the people who are going that path, it has a lot to do with their intention. If their intention is to get high, then it's not taking them anywhere at all. But if their intention is looking and searching themselves, uh, I think people can use it well. I agree. I just, it didn't happen that way for me. But. Yeah, me either. But I've seen people have incredible breakthroughs with that intention. Yes. So I want to rewind before we go to the intensive care unit. Um, I want to go back to... <laughs> I want to go... That's like the bookend. And I want to go to the other bookend, which is you're in your early 30s. You're raising monarchs. I remember that painting you have in your house, all the beautiful yeah. monarchs. And you said you were in this intense pain. Is this like physical, spiritual, like what, what, what pain are you referring to? Well, at the time, uh, I, I didn't call it in, in my mind, I didn't call it depression. Uh, I didn't think it was medical. Um, but I did think it was going to kill me because it was so intense. And I thought I won't be able to sustain this and eventually it's going to kill me. That was my definition of it. And I think actually that's what happened. I mean, even though I didn't have any, uh, I hadn't done re like a lot of spiritual book reading, 
or um, anything like that. But um, that was so. That was how I defined it. That I don't know why, but this is going to this is going to kill me. Um, and then there was like a uh, this incredible breakthrough where I fell off the cliff, and then the world just you know hmm. what did that look like because i've had that myself like what what was what was the what was the cliff was it like one moment or was it a you know an era like what was that about oh uh, no it was fast in my case it was fast there was all that pain you know and i i had a i lived on a farm with a husband and two children and um and so that was another whole level of, of what was happening. But uh, I think the falling off the cliff was was pretty uh, instantaneous, actually. After all the pain, um, I think I had to do one thing. I either had to die or I had to do this falling off the cliff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was like totally alive, just completely every tiny cell in my body was alive and uh, turned on and open and um, full but of was love. Was that spontaneous? Was that was it a spontaneous thing, or were you one day you're in your deep depression, you're feeling this death coming over you, and your mind said, "I need to start meditating." And then you know, I'm curious, like what what was the transition? No, there was never. Uh, that's actually another tenet of mine is don't have any shoulds <laughs> except the don't have any shoulds um, because that, that was never, that never happened in the whole process. And it still doesn't happen that I should do something. Um, it's, I think I must've learned really early on that it's all about allowance. It, that's the word it's you allow um, and and it's the level of willingness in you of allowance that determines how much you experience. I really believe that. Totally agree. I, and I we can all shut down at certain times because it's over. It can be overwhelming, or for whatever reason. Um, I know a woman who doesn't. Who's afraid she'll leave her husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's so funny you said that because um, I don't know if I said it in an episode or, or somewhere, but I said something recently about how when I first started working with people with nutrition, before I made the psychological trauma, you know, puzzle piece with nutrition, uh, I start, I noticed that with certain people, I would say, well, what happens if you stop having, you know, this food that you're, let's say you're obsessed with, whatever it is, what if you stop eating that? And some women in the beginning would say, I'll leave my husband. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because without stuffing their body with something or a chemical, they would have more capacity and it would outgrow the relationship. <laughs> you know? So I, I love that you say that because this is really about capacity building. Like how much space do I have to receive, right? This energy. Yes. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I never thought it was quite like that. So I'm, and I just have to ask again before we get to ICU. I still am wondering because it's so vague and mysterious, and maybe that's just what it is—vague and mysterious. But I'm, I'm wanting to understand for people listening how you go from extreme deathly depression 
to every cell is full of life and love. Like, what was the turning point? What came into your life or mind that started to redirect your energy? None of this was in my mind, Louise. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> uh, my mind didn't have much to do with it, any of this. Um, and I never called it a depression. I never would have said to you, I'm depressed. Um, so it just uh, had its own cycle. Hmm. And then uh, and then all those like 14, 15 years where I was like really being processed, everything had its had its cycle. And I I didn't have, as I said, it didn't feel like I had my mind didn't have any control in a way. Um, that, that makes more sense to me now. It's like when you said it had its cycle, I think that's a really beautiful way to say it because this energy came through you. It felt like it was going to kill you. And then something transformed. It wasn't really you doing something. It was like allowing it to do you, right? And move. Exactly, yeah. And then I'm assuming from that, like living from that place for a while, then you started developing certain practices or ways of being. Uh Hmm. It's probably very similar to what happens to a monarch because uh, it just happened. Everything just happened. I didn't, uh, I didn't say I need to do this or uh, need to go there. I mean, I was looking for teachers through some of that because I was, I wanted to understand it. Uh, there were big pieces of it I couldn't understand. So, but I never found, um, I never found that. I, I, I think I had other teachers mm -hmm. um, who were always present and uh, I just didn't have enough sense to just simply trust that at the time. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Um, well, you actually are just by being authentically you because it's it's like uh you're answering the question my question is trying to place something in time and space and you're essentially saying you can't place this in time and space you're saying it's it's beyond essentially it's beyond concept it's something that happened and you moved through it and now you're living in this other other life it's a different life form it's something that's done to you as you allow it so uh, I think when you're allowing, um, you're not using your mind. You're not trying mm -hmm. to control anything. Yes. So that's what I meant when it's like the monarch in the cocoon. I mean, this huge thing is happening. They're not orchestrating it, really. It's being orchestrated. I completely yeah. understand that. When I when I went through my big transformation, it was the same way. And I only recently, like, three months ago, I think, after 18 years, realized, oh, you know, when I first strummed the guitar, the vibrations did something to my body. And it's exactly what you're saying. I didn't go into my room and say, I'm going to go do music therapy now. I just <laughs> yeah. happened to accidentally strum a guitar. You know, it was like a mistake. Um, so, and then everything changed. And, and I've been something kinda, in you was open. Something in me opened. Yeah, and was open to that happening. Yes, I did nothing. It wasn't. I wasn't doing it. 
Exactly. And that's, I think that's really hard for people to get because that involves a trust uh, and a giving up of control that makes people uh, uncomfortable, scared yes. sometimes. I think it's really important because um, I find exactly what you just said to be, if I had to say, you know, the word healing that we use, um, that's what I find true healing to be when there's this, when concept and ego kind of just like dissipate and your body is just like dancing with what is, right? Yeah. It's magical because you don't have to be cancer free to heal. It's like, it's more of like your state of being, right? Versus your physical state. And if you and if you're if you're dying, then use that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now now perfect segue. So <laughs> so tell us the story of what happened this year. Uh, well, I I think it's too involved to go into all the psychological pieces, but um, yeah, I just had an entire year of uh, I broke my arm. Um, it was COVID, uh, had all kinds of things um, happen. And um, and then the last one was, um, I got very sick suddenly with no warning, no pain, no symptoms, no nothing, uh, and um, ended up in the hospital for 10 days. And, uh, and I was told, um later that i that i was dying it was very close uh that 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 could happen and uh and my experience of it was not that i would i never had the thought that i was dying um which actually bothered me a little because i think dying is a really important event and uh I wanted to do it very consciously, be very aware of it, use it. Uh, and that was my plan. And that didn't happen because um, I wasn't aware. I mean, that I was in this, in a dangerous state of losing my life. Um, I was just like watching. Um, and it seemed like I was... Um, definitely somewhere else uh and i think i told you the other day that uh i felt for years that i have this process of translating all the time that i'm hanging out somewhere else and i'm translating to be here and react with people i love and experience going to get ice cream or whatever um but it's like a translation process that I try to keep the balance of. And uh, so I've worked at that. So I I think what happened was that I've worked at that. And so when I was in the hospital experience, I was still translating <laughs> because, um, you know, the nurse was telling my daughter that uh, your mom's a fighter. She's She's talking to me still. <laughs> I have no memory of talking to this person, uh, but I must have been making perfect sense to her. Um, so I was like kind of doing that by habit, I think for four or five days. Um, but, you know, it's, and it's hard to articulate 
um, the experience really. Um, definitely feeling away from here and um, and I was just like watching, you know, that curiosity thing that's been such a delight to me my whole life. Um, like, what is that? <laughs> and <laughs> what is that? Uh, so, and then when they would, you know, tell me that certain procedures were happening or what, I was curious, you know, like on a a, a mind level, like, how does that work? Wow. They can do that now. <laughs> uh, so that, you know, there was that kind of entertained aspect. Um, so you, you weren't in some nebulous kind of cosmic cloud outside of your body. You were very much in the hospital room. Mm, no, but I wasn't. I mean, in terms of light, experiencing light and that kind of energy, I do that all the time, all day long. So. Uh, that was still there, but there was an added piece of um, being in a new place somehow. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I wonder if that's really what it's like, uh, just being curious, like mm -hmm. uh, first time you go to New York City or something. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. It's what sounds so uh, beautiful about it. Yeah. Um, and and also the feeling of uh, you know whatever happens, uh, it's teaching me something. It's it's if I if I look at it the right way, it'll teach me something. And um, so, how long was the experience, Lonetta? How long were you there? Uh, I was in the hospital ten days. Um, and, you know, part of it was missing, you know, my life at home and my, uh, and Bob and Susie and my family, um, you know, that didn't to totally go away at times it did. <laughs> um, so, and, and I, and the nurses, uh, one of the things that happened there were the nurses were. Uh, deeply impressed that I didn't seem to feel pain. And I, uh, what sent me to the hospital, I was supposed to feel uh, excruciating pain. And I, I didn't, which was one of the confusing things of not going to the hospital and not wanting to go was, you know, I don't have any pain. Um, so, but they would, they were doing procedures that, um, you know, are normally painful. And then the nurse said, to me, you didn't even flinch <laughs> when she was doing this thing. Uh, and it was, I, I, it was that energy thing where I knew to sink, just like, hmm. uh, sink, so without the sink, so yeah, sink into it. So without the resistance, there probably wasn't all that extra pain you would have. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. And that that word sink is another important word to me in terms of meditation, um, because I think that's the word you can remember if you're just starting. That's the one word to remember is to allow yourself to sink. It's like deeper, as deep as you can go. And then 
no no mental stuff no i'm supposed to feel this or i'm supposed to feel that or i'm supposed to go here or there that's you know not helpful yeah that makes so much sense i you know practicing last four years i've been studying and practicing you know somatic psychology and what i find so interesting based on what you just said that i keep finding in myself and in people i work with is the the biology of a thought you know like the moment we have a thought or a concept in a nanosecond or even perhaps at the same time there's a physiological response and so you keep saying in this interview there's this theme of not attaching to these thoughts mm -hmm. and when i hear that i also hear by not attaching to the thoughts the body doesn't do this you know the body stays open there isn't that tension associated with all that identity like you're in the hospital i'm dying it's gonna hurt where do i go i don't want to die all those things that could come in and they weren't because those thoughts were replaced with curiosity what's that oh that's amazing oh look at that over there so there was literally a physiology i'm imagining of just openness while you're in that while you're dying yeah yeah and i think uh i think one of the main um requirements of evolving spiritually is that you is that staying open because once you think you've achieved it you think you're enlightened you think you've hit hit the place this is where i've been wanting to be and now i'm there you know then you're it's dead it's gone you have to stay open you have to stay open because uh you're going to hit uh, other things are going to hit you <laughs> you know it's not life is is not um always uh sweet it's just not so uh so when those things hit you it's it's yeah use it and uh and then you you might hit a philosophy or a practice or a whatever that you think it has solved it and now you're there and i think that's a danger because i don't think you're ever there it's always staying open. Yeah. it's all say that again it's always what it's always staying open i i so appreciate that that's really um powerful wisdom because they're you know one of the women i really love in the world is a woman named byron katie who does like radical self-inquiry um very similar to your experience as well and um she says enlightenment is there's like humility with enlightenment because like as soon as it comes it goes and so there's this the practice is like you just said staying open is a practice it's not i'm gonna get there it's like i'm there and then i'm not <laughs> and now i'm oh, there and now beautifully I'm said yeah that's beautifully said yeah i'm really curious um if you are still working with people if you're not what are you doing with, uh, with teaching this to people? Um, well, I'm not doing anything. Uh, uh, I, the there's there are people in the neighborhood that uh, used to come, but COVID, you know, that killed that. So they're coming again on Thursday, um, this coming Thursday. So I'll, I'll have that group again. But I haven't been working with people. I mean, I, you know, I run into people all the time. It's in life and they reach for something. And if I have it, I give it. 
so that's been my pretty much my practice. Um, I mean, I worked with the um, mentally disabled for many years and um, and and emotionally disturbed. They were dual diagnosed. Uh, and they taught me amazing things. And I worked with them the same way I would work with anybody else. Um, and they and the, and they have the same light, <laughs> you know, they have a light around them and in them. And they have the same emotional distractions with their peers. So uh, I guess I just have had this definition of um, just living and then service is whoever kind of crosses my path, I guess. Um, but I'm not opposed to having a, a, a practice. I don't know why it hasn't um, consistently manifested. You know, I've had it in cycles and periods. Um, but for the last couple of years, uh, I've been actually for the last couple of years, I've been doing radical self-inquiry. <laughs> uh, I mean, really radical. Uh, so that's been a part of the last two years. And that was good timing with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say COVID was like a pause for everyone to do radical <laughs> self-inquiry if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Or what they needed to maybe, I don't know, hopefully. Um, so, yeah. And in the early, early days when I was in that intense, um, process i i did uh like 14 hour days energetically working with people but there wasn't any talking involved it was mm -hmm. um, just inner energy reactions um well i think when you said about the you know life is your practice you know those weren't your words but that's how i heard it you walk and you live and whoever you run into, if, if someone needs you and you have the capacity you give. And um, I so, again, I relate to that. I lived that way for a while myself. And I so respect that. And this interview, um, I know is going to be a source for a lot of people, a beautiful source of connection and inspiration and guidance. And it's a, it's an example of you just being you and me thinking, why the hell haven't I had Lynette on? <laughs> like what what's going on I'm well so, like, I always enjoy you talking to you so yeah I'm, just, I'm spoiled with these people in my life and uh, I'm like I need to share the wealth a little bit so um I thank you so much for coming on and and I'll I'll give information at the end how people can reach you because some people might want to work and learn with you well my website is uh spiritual integration therapy all one word dot com which also means sit or the acronym yeah, sit. <laughs> love that yeah, that's sit. so great thank you love thank you for coming on oh thank you it's been really sweet to be with you to work with lanida or to learn more about her work which i strongly recommend you can visit spiritualintegrationtherapy.com 
I'm going to leave you all with a song of mine called Northbound. And it's a song I wrote after finding this home and after finding this black clove and this beautiful land that we would call home for many years. This land that nurtured us and kept us safe and helped us develop ourselves, my wife and I, so we could share ourselves with you all. So thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy.
hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice, what's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.